Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Vynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Mindy McGrath. Market access strategy is critical to therapy launch success, but traditional approaches can lack nuance. The average cost of bringing a pharmaceutical asset to market has reached an astounding $2 billion, yet more than a third of all new launches in the United States fail to meet expectations. Market access strategy and execution, life sciences companies' ability to demonstrate clinical and economic evidence, negotiate with healthcare access stakeholders, and enable affordable and timely product fulfillment for appropriate patients is one of the primary contributors to product success and failure. Today, I'm joined by Vynamics Ryan Hummel, Raina Deer, and Maggie Gorman to discuss the evolution of market access in the United States. Before we dive into all things market access, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in healthcare markets right now that leads to our discussion today. Many times in the podcast, we talk about cross-sector implications or other sectors later in the broadcast, but I think it's really great that you're asking the question earlier is what is happening that is causing market access to kind of emerge as a really important trend in the industry. And I think one of the things that we've talked about is this convergence of payers to control the idea of the right medication at the right time for the right patient. And if you think about the the landscape of payers today due to their financials and and perhaps the underutilization of healthcare services in the last two or three years since the pandemic, they have a little more cash on hand, right? And so they're 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 utilizing that cash to converge and merge and acquire. And research is showing that consolidation in the private health insurance industry has taken over. So we're seeing that happen a lot. And so we have to pay attention to how that affects market access. We're also seeing intermediaries in the US that are buying up the drug channel. Folks like CVS and these big companies that are merging and forming entire kind of value chain healthcare firms. CVS is a company that reported something like $290 billion in revenue. And that's because they're buying up this drug channel. And you know, you were seeing new players kind of own the idea of market access outside of the life science arena. There's also this emergence of payviders, and we know that a payvider is exactly kind of what it sounds like. It's the combination of a payer and a provider, and the idea is that as a provider, they can kind of control the care that the members receive, and as a payer, they also own the risk and they focus on cost-effective technology and diagnoses. So this combination of the payvider is also changing the landscape on how we look at market access across the healthcare landscape specifically in the UK, there are large concerns continuously about reining in the cost of medication. Specialty patients are 20% more likely not to fill a prescription today as they were in 2013. And we've seen some amazing tailwinds around helping patients get affordable medications, but there's still a huge gap there in the cost of medication. So market access becomes an even more important topic of conversation across all the sectors. We're also seeing the payers leaning into more use of restrictions and brand name medications, which collides and is kind of against the grain when you think about the growth of some of the sophisticated science and the R&D and investment that's going into some of this treatment. So there are a ton of factors that are going into the rationale on why market access needs to be elevated, understood, and talked about. Ryan, you're right. We can't underestimate the importance or emphasize the importance of 
access, especially in a system of care within the United States that is inherently flawed by many pieces of legislation and other things that have created a very complex and complicated way of creating paths for patients to have the right care at the right time. So we talk about access quite a bit across various touch points in the healthcare industry. And I want to zone in on the words market access and why it is a critical area of success for life sciences organizations and the overall healthcare industry. Yeah, so Mindy, at the most basic level, market access really enables patients to receive and afford care chosen by their physician. It's really the right patient with the right treatment at the right time. And the market access function within life sciences companies really achieves this success through the value proposition of their therapy, pricing, reimbursement, access strategy, and customer engagement. And so when we refer to access, we're not really just talking about the coverage or who pays for the product, but also the patient's ability to predictably receive the product either in inpatient or outpatient settings. It's about who pays, who delivers, and also who supports care. It's quite complex, a lot of considerations within market access. And without effective market access, patients can lose trust in the ability of the entire healthcare system to ensure that they have access to the therapies that they need. Raina, beyond patient, market access challenges can also undermine the trust of other key players in the healthcare landscape. So when we think about the providers who are prescribing and administering care and treatment, it can also undermine the trust of private and public payer bodies that are responsible for determining how those treatments or therapies are paid for. And finally, in the investors and truly the researchers who are contributing to this innovation. So when you think about it, if a product or therapy has poor access, then it really can either incentivize commercialization of a product or de-incentivize commercialization of the product. And that can really, tying that back to the patient, impact who receives care. So there's a lot that's hinging on getting market access right within these organizations. Right. And Raina, you mentioned it's about the right patient at the right time with the right amount of care. That definition of market access feels so straightforward. Yet achieving access has remained a key challenge for every product launch, new indication, and even renewal of contracts for many therapies. It's a critical component underlying patient accessibility and commercial viability, as Maggie just mentioned, but it typically is one of the greatest challenges for leaders in life sciences, and existing complexity is compounded with a rapidly shifting U.S. payer landscape, as Ryan talked about. So speaking of the payer landscape, the movement of intermediaries and the movement through vertical and horizontal aggregation has really enabled these stakeholders to have significant bargaining power. Beyond this, though, there are other trends in the United States that are compounding the importance of market access. Well, I think that there has been some enterprise integration. I talked a little bit about that a few minutes ago. There are three big PBMs that are all owned by a health plan or a pharmacy parent company and are highly motivated by some of these contractual terms that actually favor the larger enterprise, right? So this is causing a shift in some of the contractual and negotiation strategy at the payer level. 
you think about the breakdown of some of these large companies, it's really, you know, three or four different companies that own 80% of the market share, right? And then you talk about the care connection and control element of this. There's such a greater focus on member access and managing that journey with them and actually kind of controlling, and you hear that a lot, controlling, managing this idea of of spreading performance risk and owning it throughout the value chain through alliances, through partnerships, conventional acquisitions, and then also really cool partnerships and innovative models and agreements. Yeah, and Ryan, to add to that, we are also seeing a big shift in benefit constructs, especially as private payers, to include greater cost sharing for those patients, um, changes in copay assistance programs, and defined benefit versus defined contribution. I mean, that's just to name a few, but there's a lot of shifts that are happening there. And then we'd be remiss not to mention how the payers, I guess, are moving from the patients, now we're thinking back to the payers and their interaction with the life science manufacturers and how they establish payment models. So that's shifting a lot too. So what we're seeing as there, we could spend so much time talking about this, but just to hit on it, there's a shift towards higher cost therapeutics and more specialty products. And with that, there's a change in the way payers think about and balance risk. So when we see these cell and gene therapies coming to market, potentially curative therapies, as well as maybe even like specialty medicines that are moving into the chronic care space, we're seeing those payment models and uh, contracts change to better enable those payers to balance risk while still enabling patient access. Yeah, and as Maggie said, with some of these cell gene therapies, new innovative specialty products, we're just seeing more and more expensive therapies. And because of that, we are seeing even more and more continued budget pressures. And so utilization management has and will continue to be a focus because of all of these expensive therapies. But we're also seeing the additions of biosimilars as well that's continuing to push the need for utilization management even more today things like prior authorizations, reauthorizations, step edits, exclusions, they're going to continue. And even previously, relatively unmanaged areas like oncology are now even seeing more and more utilization management and stricter management. It's also just no longer about placement on formulary, but at the end of the day, it's also about the quality of that coverage and the quality of your placement on the formulary. This trend most often and heavily impacts new-to-market therapies, and often life sciences companies focus on, you know, their overall marketing positioning and strategy and which patients HCPs choose to prescribe, but often the question of who covers the drug or how a patient gets past some of these utilization management hurdles are sometimes insufficiently addressed just some cool stats to think about, but also important is that as many as 70% of patients on newly launched brands are supported by patient assistance programs. Yet in 2021, only one in four new to brand patients who attempted to fill a prescription were successful. And more than half of brands missed their first year forecast. And among those that miss, only 20% get back on track. It's really interesting to think about too. I mean, we just mentioned five different trends or shifts in the landscape, right? We talked about care connection control, the shift in negotiation dynamics, inpatient cost sharing, benefit constructs, utilization management, alternative payment models, et cetera. Let's add that to the fact that 
there's increased cost of drug development, intense competition that life science manufacturers are facing, and complex distribution logistics that are making it even more challenging to launch products in this shifting landscape. So I think, yeah, Reina, you brought up some stats. Like if we think about that, 50% of drug launch failures were actually attributed to limited market access because of all the factors that we just mentioned, which just undermines the need to have a very clear understanding of those landscape dynamics that are at play and to develop a clear strategy and an execution plan in light of those dynamics. So we just talked a lot about the market access function within life sciences, but we can also talk about market access in the context of the healthcare system. And that's a totally different and related, but unique conversation that we can have. And thinking about the many market facing challenges that you just presented, the word that comes to mind for me is nimble. That market access functions need to be nimble and really curate kind of that capability. When you sit back and think about the landscape of what's going on in the U.S. healthcare market and how much tighter payers have become when it comes to adopting their restrictions, what are two to three things that healthcare leaders should be considering as they think about their market access function? It's a great question, Mindy. And I think if we're just looking specifically at the U.S. at this point, it's just really critical for these life science manufacturers to develop a clear commercialization strategy for their products and portfolios. So when I think about commercialization strategies and the key elements are firstly defining how market access fits into the greater commercial objectives of the organization and their portfolio of products. And so making those objectives also clear to the patient population and payer channels. The second thing is developing clear goals and KPIs, especially when we think of this in context of like a commercial launch around, it could be anything from like time to access, market share, fulfillment, specific to, you know, that, that patient population and the payer channel. And then lastly, it's really critical to like plan for the hurdles that you, you anticipate facing, whether that be in contracting with the payer bodies and anticipating coverage decisions or pathway placements around setting up patient assistance programs, product delivery and fulfillment, whatever that may be, just making sure that there are contingency plans in place for anything that may arise as it relates to market access challenges. Building on your points, it's really about where to play and how to win. So first, critically thinking about where that brand portfolio or company should play. And that's in the light of the movement in the market and just needing to be much more forward thinking. The landscape today is dynamic and access today does not guarantee access tomorrow. And this can include current and future ecosystem dynamics around who the customers are, who the competition is today versus tomorrow, what are the policy changes that we're seeing in our environment, and even things like approaches to benefit design and how that's shifting. By understanding this evolving landscape, the different coverage models, it's you can really use that to inform the commercialization strategy. However, waiting until some of these events is likely too late. So again, it's about how can we be more forward thinking. And then in addition to where to play, again, it's important to think about how to win from both a product portfolio, as well as our customer relationship standpoint. So some questions to consider for thinking about how to win. First, who are the key stakeholders, the customers? What do they value? And what are their value drivers 
in terms of how they're different from each other or a little bit nuanced depending on which customer, which stakeholder we're actually talking about, whether it's commercial, Medicare, Medicaid, VA, and, and so forth. Based on that, in terms of understanding who your customers are, what are the strategic choices that you can define and communicate based on your brand or portfolio value to each of these stakeholders? And then the choices really should inform your approach to pricing, contracting, reimbursement, access, and patient affordability. Ultimately, it's really thinking about, are you providing your customers with a value proposition that truly exceeds your competition? That was amazing, Arena and Maggie. And, you know, this idea of where to play and how to win is really important. So when I think about taking that idea and executing it, it sounds like there's a few keys to execution, right? Knowing, and I think I'm quoting Maggie, who's like, it's quite complex, but it's kind of a fragile area, market access. So it's easy to be undermined by the folks you mentioned, pot providers, payers, and ultimately the patient. So I think it's important that we ensure that market access is effectively integrated into all activities of launch, whether that's the early stages or the ongoing pipeline. It's definitely one of those elements that I think has evolved into a key dependency of every phase. And we have to remember that. The second thing it sounds like is important for the keys of execution is all about relationships, right? Ensuring that we get the right connections and the right people established earlier. Getting through that entanglement of of group purchasing organizations and GPOs, as we call them, it's a really important component of market access strategy. And depending on the product and the competitive position of the healthcare provider, that's a huge obstacle many times. PBMs, payers, and government institutions are also areas and a focus that relationships are really important, and it takes a long time to get them right. Speaking of obstacles, you know, I think being clear about obstacle identification is another thing that I heard you say. Being upfront about the potential uh, for obstacles like risk evaluation and management strategies, and this includes folks from the regulatory drug safety, you know, and channeling back to my past for pharmacovigilance clinical development and marketing. There's also probably going to be some UM obstacles that we need to address and putting that into the project plan and program to make sure that we execute as flawlessly as possible. It's so much better to be prepared early on than scramble later by by proactively understanding that these obstacles will occur during the process. I think it's also important to take a look at outside of ourselves, right? Taking a realistic view of what the marketplace is doing, what competitors are doing, it will allow you to respond a little more smartly on how your product enters the market or evolves in the marketplace. And, you know, understanding the idea of being nimble, right? Making a call for different allocation of launch resources, being able to change quickly, applying systemically best-in-class market access activities, staying up to date on what those activities are, continuously monitoring the marketplace, continuing to looking outside of, you know, the program or, or the launch strategy is really important for agile kind of practices to make sure that you can make changes quickly and understanding that any change you make will have trade-offs in the pursuit of supreme market access and sustainable growth. I love it, Ryan. And if we haven't already said it, it's something that keeps sticking out to me is the earlier and more proactive you are, the better. And Ryan, another thing that's out is the way you structure it was great. It's like, look internally, make sure your teams are set up your ways of working are set up in culture within your market access function and that there's a good matrix with the other cross-functional teams that you'll be working alongside of. 
establishing data infrastructure internally in the field teams and setups, et cetera, and then look externally to understand the access landscape, the value pricing, reimbursement strategy, and plans for contracting with external payers. All in all, a successful market access strategy is just really a set of strategic choices that optimizes cross-functional integration and coordination and has clear you know, roles and responsibilities that are delineated to it. To wrap up what we've said so far, I mean, this is a really exciting space. There's so much innovation that's happening in life sciences that will continue to increase the complexity of the market access questions and challenges we face. But there's also that shift in the fractured healthcare landscape that will evolve over time. So it's really understanding like how we and the life science manufacturers position ourselves to make sure that at the end of the day, the patients are able to navigate that system and access the care that they need and that the, the providers intend for them. This was such a terrific discussion on market access. And I feel like we could be going deep on a lot of different areas. I want to thank Raina and Maggie for joining us today so that we could jam on a little bit of market access. I think the best way that I would summarize this conversation is that we expect in an evolving healthcare landscape with more complexity to it than ever, that market access will continue to loom large over the entire product life cycle from things that have been mentioned like complex benefit designs, increasingly sophisticated utilization management practices of payers, and just payers rising market power due to industry consolidation have, I think, really put market access at the center of success for many life science leaders. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in this episode, subscribe to the Trending Health podcast and explore if Dynamic can help your company with ongoing healthcare industry change. Please visit trendinghealth.com.